Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? Welcome back to Off the Podium for our first new interview in, uh, I don't know, let's say a couple of months here. We had a big series to carry you through the Rio Olympics that, uh, not the Rio Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics that never happened. But we're going to go back in time now, uh, a couple of years to the Rio Olympics, as we're here to talk to our second ever swimmer on Off the Podium, which is really exciting. Uh, we have a one-time bronze medalist, a two-time Olympian, a... I think 100 million time Canadian record holder, uh, one and only Brittany McLean here. Thanks so much for joining us, Brittany. Thank you for having me. And it's Ben's here too. I'm here. Hello. Uh, yeah, just I, I, I have none of those records. I don't have a bronze medal, um, but uh, maybe one day. I don't know. Brittany, I'm always excited to chat to um, Canadian athletes because sort of Colin and I, you know, being sort of a co-Australian Canadian production i guess we sort of alternate between the uh the the two countries so uh welcome and it's it's always interesting i think we always like to find out how athletes get involved in the sports that they they do that they ultimately go on to compete in the olympics so simple question to start off with what what made you get into swimming i think for a lot of swimmers i mean it kind of finds them instead of them finding it because not many people are are just all of a sudden like i found a pool today but it is one of those essential life skills so you do most of us just start as like we want to learn how to swim for the safety aspect and then kind of work your way up so that's exactly what i did i started swimming lessons from a young age because my parents saw the value in making sure that i was water safe and then kind of progressed through that quite quickly. And I have an older sister that's two years older, uh, that's also an Olympian. And so for the two of us, uh, I kind of just always followed a bit in her footsteps. And so she made her way up the, the ladder of swimming lessons, as did I. And then we, within our local pool, there was opportunities for like an intro to competitive program. And so she jumped on that. And then shortly after I did as well. So. I wasn't necessarily, my parents joke that like they missed their calling in swimming, that they must have had some outrageous talent. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it kind of just found us and we were tossed into every sport possible growing up. So it was the one that stuck. I always find it exciting, you know, with, with swimming particularly because it is something that everybody does. Uh, I, I don't think there's a kid on the planet. I mean, I didn't even realize they do like baby swimming classes until somebody told us when we had our son. And we had him in that for a couple of years and we did it at uh, the same pool that, uh, you know, does competitive swimming that uh, Chantel Van Landegam came out of too. So as I would take him to swimming classes, I would see all these you know, teenagers and everything who were in the matching outfits and everything and competitively swimming and think, well, literally anybody can do this. Uh, what was the point where you sort of went from just swimming classes and got into it competitively, uh, at least to the point where you knew you 
had potentially a career in it where you could, uh, you know, not going to say go to the Olympics, but where you would actually compete and medal in events. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I have to touch on your Winnipeg pride there. Chantel is one of my best friends, so I'm happy to hear that uh, that you got a little bit influenced by her amazing accomplishments and the human she is. But uh, we also were teammates through four years at the University of Georgia, so close to my heart there. Um, but definitely, you know, that's kind of that, that it, it, it goes hand in hand with the fact that that's, like the growth of sport and the inspiration behind it. Like all it takes is for someone to walk into a facility and know like, you know, excellence lived here. And that's one of the things that really stuck with me is um, I think that aha moment was probably when I was about, you know, 12, 13 ish. And at that point I was playing soccer, playing hockey. Um, but obviously swimming was the one thing that really I had shown kind of potential in. And, um, you know, we did twice a day starting at a pretty young age. So you had to be very serious into swimming um, if you wanted to kind of take it far. And so I did have some things I was doing just for the fun of it. And I, I love the, I love to play those team sports because it was literally that, it was play. I was having fun, I was doing it, it was helping me balance. Um, but yeah, once I think when 2008 rolled around, I didn't make those Olympic trials. I was just off, so I would have been like 13, 14. And, I had just missed qualifying, but a couple of my peers did. And so it was kind of like, wow, okay, this is something that I was disappointed initially because I didn't qualify. But um, one of my like childhood idols, Alexa Kormanicki at the time, she swam at Etobicoke with me and she had qualified. And so to be able to see her do it um, in the program that I was training in just kind of made it a lot more realistic. And I think that's the kind of success if you visualize it and you can see it being realistic, it, it does everything for you. So to see her achieve that success, not only four years later did I make the Olympic trials, but on the very first race, the very first night, I broke the Canadian record and got my ticket to go to London. So uh, a lot can change, obviously, in that time frame. But um, that was kind of the, whoa, okay, I can do this too. But on top of that, you know, starting to make my – my senior national cuts, getting to go to the national training camps, getting to go to, on these junior national teams where, you know, I was racing and, and training with the other best in Canada of my age group and realizing, you know, uh, not only am I, do I belong here, but I can strive here and I can prove myself here. And I think that's when I really committed to, you know, when you're young, you're just, you're doing it for fun. You have goals, you're, you're looking to improve, but really, really got seriously into you know, stopping my other sports, making sure this was my sole focus and, and committing all that I had into the sport. What was that swimming landscape like when you first kind of got into the real competitive side of things and making Team Canada and sort of that period? Because obviously coming from Australia, you know, Colin's talking about swimming being a sort of a thing and classes like that, you know, as I'm sure you guys probably do a lot of skiing things and that in school and whatever it is like you know swimming is literally part of our curriculum you have to we're surrounded by water it's kind of a thing and obviously when it comes to the olympics that's kind of the sport we're best known for i guess australia is swimming so it's we're coming from a different part but in canada at that particular point you're coming from a point where you know uh, beijing won bronze medal i believe canada won in in swimming to ultimately when you go to rio canada comes away uh with six medals uh so you know there's a bit of improvement there so was were you seeing kind of a, a changing in the guard when you sort of were making those teams to the improvement that ultimately came at rio 
For sure. And one thing I will say on the topic of Australia, like that was my biggest like whoa moment when I started traveling for swimming because I remember so vividly I was on a plane ride. Um, I I believe it was just from like Sydney to Gold Coast, and so it wasn't a long ride, but we were whoever I was sitting beside, we got chatting, he saw my swim bag. And he was just mouthing off all these names of the Australian swimmers. And I, it, it was just literally a local businessman that was going from, from one city to the next. And I said, how do you know swimmers here? But it was common knowledge across Australia. Yep. Like that was, that was known. And for me, I was like, well, I could be in any mall or restaurant and no one's going to have any idea who I am. But for them, it was like their bread and butter. Oh, yeah. So it was really cool to see not to that full extent, but definitely the growth from my two Olympics, London and Rio, the sport completely explode. And now from that point on, continuously getting more and more popular. I mean, I'm currently working with CBC on the ISL, the International Swimming League, and, you know, it's covered, we're, we're covering it every weekend. And like the, the fact that people are watching swimming and it's not at the Olympics is, is an exciting thing and it's new and it's fresh. So yeah, I remember very, very, you know, clearly in London, I was one of only three or four finalists. So, um, I, you know, I, I qualified for the final and that was the top eight. And that was a little bit, you know, out of what I was seated to do. And so it was exciting. It was great. But then also at that point, we just weren't striving for medals. It wasn't a realistic goal. It was, you know, as much as yes, they'd be exciting. And, you know, we had Brian Cochran and Ben Hayden win, um, medals that Olympics, but for most of us, you know, it was more about the experience. And so watching that growth and having the leaders that led us in from Beijing and London into Rio, there was still a lot of these veterans to, to kind of anchor the team. But then this new fresh energy um, that had never even, like you take, talk about a Penny Lexia, she had never been to a Worlds, an Olympics, a national team. This was her first everything. And so that fresh energy of not really knowing what to expect and winning a medal on that very first night of the, the Rio Olympics was everyone's like, okay, we can do this. This is realistic all of a sudden. And I think we won almost every, at least one medal almost every night from there on out. So, and a couple came in the relays. So, you know, we have there four or six girls that take home a medal. So, you know, we went from going in as none of us, or I guess Cochran would have been the only one coming in as a medalist. And you left with about 13, I believe, 13 or 14 people on that Olympic team that came home with medals. So it started this, it was contagious energy. It really was. And seeing that we can realistically swim against the best in the world. And we're constantly seeing it now, like at the ISL just this past weekend, like there's Canadians now that are, that are beating Katinka Hozu. They're touching, like they're just stuff that we never really imagined us being in a position to do. And now it's not, it's not just something really cool when it happens. It's just expected. It's funny, uh, as you were talking about uh, Rio and, and Ryan Cochran, we started this show before Rio. And uh, if we were to go back and listen to our preview episode, uh, we probably talked about swimming. And I guarantee, I, I likely said something along the lines of, you know what, we might see a medal from Ryan Cochran, but I, I don't know if we can expect much else. Like it literally just sort of came out of nowhere. It was like, like you said, overnight, maybe feeding off of the energy. Uh, did uh, we'll get there eventually, but did you go in expecting anything? Did any of the other young swimmers have any expectations that we could potentially get to that level, which at that point was pretty much reserved only for Ryan Cochran in Canada? Yes, for sure. Like it may have been overnight for the, the external viewer, but it was a work in progress. And I think some of the summer of 2014 for me individually was really, really good, but we also had, 
like we went from a Commonwealth Games to uh, pay impacts in, in the Gold Coast and um, we taking out maybe like with Commonwealth, you take out the Americans and with Panpax, you take out a lot of the European countries, but we were, we were winning medals. We weren't getting to the podium and maybe it wasn't at the Olympics yet, but we were getting the experience to race internationally and be successful internationally. And then, you know, the next summer we saw Pan Am games where it was hosted in Toronto and that was massive. Uh, none of us had experienced uh, to say none of us, I would say 95% of us had never experienced racing internationally in, in, under the lights in a, in a home stadium. And this was, you know, not only was it the Pan Am Games in Toronto, but it was in a new facility that was going to create new opportunity, that was going to create new excitement, that was going to be a place for so, so many youth to train and to grow out of. So, and to see that facility uh, in Scarborough go from, you know, a pool in my mind at that point to now seeing, you know, they, they run the center in Ontario out of it. There's probably, if I had to guess like 12 to 15 sports that that's their home. So it's so much more than just the swimming. That was kind of this longevity piece that I think lit a fire beneath all of us. And I know for me specifically, I didn't swim very well at, um, the Pan Am games, but to be able to walk away from that and, and say, you know what, this is, it was really special to be a part of this, to see the excitement of our fans and to have like a crowd loud cheering for Canada and going into the next year, I think all the pieces just kind of started to align. So we really made a statement uh, in Rio, but I think all of us, you know, I don't think you would have said Alexia comes home with four medals, uh, but you, you would have put us on the podium a few times. And I know a lot of the people that I know, I remember Hillary Caldwell who won a medal on night six or seven, like near the end, she was one of the ones that would have been like a medal, um, like a, a very high chance of winning an individual medal going into the games. And she says all the time, she's like, by then it was just like, Oh, another medal. Like yeah. she was just going in there cause she wanted to be a part of the crew. Like she said, I just wanted to be a member of this massively successful women's team that was already winning all these medals. And I want my name in that bucket. But by the time it came down to her, it was just like second nature for us to be tossing in more and more medals. So it was pretty cool that, I won't say like it was all momentum and all the excitement because there was that work that had been put in for four years to develop our programming, but it was exciting and it was fun because the last couple of years it had just been male medals and now you'll see a ton of female success in the sport swimming in Canada. When it comes to selecting a distance in swimming, is it similar to say athletics where I guess at one point you decide to focus on maybe the, the longer distances and the, the shorter distance because you obviously focus a lot on the longer distances more so in your career. Uh, I mean, is there a point where you decide, oh, I'm better at the sort of the, the endurance events rather than a straight out 100 meter, 50 meter sprint? Yeah, I would say there's definitely, when you're growing up, they, most coaches will try to keep you as versatile as possible. So kind of try a bit of everything, train a bit of everything, be prepared for a bit of everything. Um, those where you tend to find the most well-rounded swimmer, but you definitely find like, okay, I'm, I'm more successful in that, in that space or that kind of clicks differently. A lot of people have like a natural speed and other people don't necessarily have that, that quick, fast twitch muscle. I wasn't, well, I was lucky for a distance swimmer. I did have some range, which is what got me onto the relay and the 200 and, um, I could go down slightly. I had a bit of speed, but I definitely was not your token sprinter. Sometimes it has to do with body type and height and, and, you know, the ability to build muscle in different places. And so there are factors. Um, but I think it kind of just finds you 
like for me specifically, I, I grew up a butterfly and then I became a backstroker because I hurt my shoulder and then I kind of got into IM and um, then I made my, my first Olympic team in the 400 freestyle and I had only swam it ever at one other national championships before that. So, you know, it was not that I'd never swam it, sorry, but I had never swam it at a high level. Like it was some, wasn't something that I created a niche for or anything. I was just still developing. And that was something that at the right time I was, I really kind of lifted off on that. And yeah, until I really went to college and, and trained at the university of Georgia, we were a little bit more defined into groups of like, you're a distance group, you're kind of a middle distance and you're more sprinters and you do start to specialize when you get older. Um, but I think it's really important. And most coaches would, would agree that when you're younger, you, you try to do a bit of everything and let it find you. We did talk to a couple of, uh, you know, runners back in the summer uh, who are very similar to swimming, just in that you have your distances and you have your relays. And uh, the one thing that I was most interested in uh, that, uh, you know, I don't know how different it would be in swimming is the relay aspect of it, uh, because you probably had, you know, just as much experience and success on relay teams as you've had individually. Uh, And obviously in your first Olympics, London, I mean, that's this close, obviously, you know, uh, the relay teams, are they put together well in advance? Uh, is it something where everybody is sort of open and then they just sort of decide 24 hours before 40 hours for, is it shortlisted? How does it go about getting on the relay team? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, because I think again, from the outside looking in, you're probably thinking, okay, this is a, it's a relay team going for an Olympic medal. You know, they've been training together for years and months to get to this moment. And yes, we've all been training for years and months, but not together. And sometimes like these teammates are, you're just collaborating for you know, maybe a couple exchanges and practicing of relay takeovers before a couple days leading out. Like it's, you're a team for sure that, um, you know, you don't get to, you're all coming from different programs and you're training in different places. So it is kind of a little bit of a unique part to it. And what was really cool about the relay on the first night at the Olympics um, in Rio, the four by 100 freestyle relay on the women's side, they all trained together that year. So it was really fun to see them like really celebrate like a team victory because they had gone head to head in practice every day. They knew what each other's capabilities were. They knew their strengths, they knew their weaknesses. So that was really fun to see. Um, But yeah, so the development of the teams is always there's a qualification. So when we qualify and usually for swimming, it's the end of March or early April. And, um, we have the, the races. So you'll do a 200 freestyle and the top four people in that 200 freestyle get to swim that relay that summer. Now they're the team that qualifies, but it's not necessarily who's the strongest on that day in that moment. So, you know, you could have a Taylor Rock or Penny Lipsiak that was swimming a race that morning. So they move the relay around so that they're a little rested. And there was definitely a little bit of strategy based on the programming of other athletes. Uh, one thing we did have to implement in Rio was that the morning of the relay, I had been, well, we didn't know at the time, but I had pneumonia. So I woke up with a spiking fever and I had immediately gone to our uh, team doctors and you know we were on the phone back and forth of with the coaches and they had the the team doctor and everyone trying to figure out you know am i capable of swimming in the morning and obviously you know you prepare every moment of every day to to do this right and then something happens like that and you have no control over it so that was probably you know one of the scariest things that we could have happened but luckily for the 
arguably the first time we were incredibly deep in Canada in those races. So uh, they were confident in um, kind of putting a couple other names out and, and having them swim to qualify us through to the final. And so it does require some some flexibility in, in moving pieces. And so we were able to use uh, Kennedy Goss and, and Emily Overhold in the morning. Um, and then they were rotated out in the evening. So all six members are Olympic medalists. All six members had the same involvement in that relay team. Uh, and it did cause us to really bond that day. I remember we went over to the pool together as a team. Uh, the way that story ends is basically I rested the whole day. My fever broke and I was able to uh, race that night. But at the time, you know, in the morning, Emily probably got four or five hours in advance, maybe only three, to know she was racing a 200 freestyle that morning. So... It is, you know, you have to be able to go with the flow and that's what swimming is. And we have practiced this so many times. It's a race she's comfortable swimming. It just, I don't think she would have ever expected to swim it uh, at the Olympics, but uh, they did it. They got through, I think they were fifth or so. So in a comfortable position and uh, put us in a spot to race for a medal in the evening. Four years prior, your, your first Olympics, uh, fourth in the relay, Canada got a couple of seconds off the bronze in, in France. So I can imagine that ultimately, and we'll get to that that win, of course, in Rio, that's sort of some vindication, good feeling. But you were talking before about, you know, making a final in your first Olympics. Um, you know, I'm sure competing with your sister coming along for your first Olympics too was a great experience for the whole Olympic experience. But do you leave London satisfied or do you kind of think oh i was only three seconds away from a medal in the relay things like that i mean what's your kind of vibe after london before you ultimately take that next four-year journey before going towards rio definitely very satisfied in london um that i mean three seconds in swimming is a very large chunk of time so it might have stung a little more if we were like a tenth or two tenths away from a medal but we were very comfortably in fourth and for us we were seated to come maybe like ninth or 10th or so. So for us to be fourth in the world was a huge accomplishment. We ended that night um, very excited and proud. And yeah, there, there was no realistic hopes of being medalist that night. So maybe if we had gone into it, you know, this is our be all and all, which in Rio it was. Like I was going in thinking I'm either winning an Olympic medal and all my dreams are coming true or I'm going to leave here incredibly disappointed. And so, um, yeah, in London, very, very happy with the way things went. I was incredibly excited about my individual races. I had, um, well, only one actually individual race that the prelim and final, you know, in the morning of the foreign freestyle, I was seated to come, I think like 24th or 30th. And I was able to outtouch the world record holder in the heats. I uh, got myself a spot in the final and I went a best time. So that was pretty much anything I could have asked for in terms of gaining experience and, and getting more, um, yeah, more tools under my belt. And then swimming in the final, I did swim a little bit slower, but the amount that I gained out of that day and, you know, I, I, I touched one person in the final, so I didn't come last. I came second last. And so it was, yeah, a, a constant, I mean, yeah, the only thing I maybe would have been slightly disappointed at was adding time in the final, but knowing that I put my heart and soul into that morning swim and, and put myself in a position to be in the final is all I could have asked for. So, um, yeah, I left it all in the pool and I was really excited about the results and the growth potential in that relay and what could be years later. And turns out four years later, we were able to get it done. 
One thing I'll quickly add, though, uh, the, the person you did beat in that final was a New Zealander, Lauren Boyle, so thank you for that. Uh, we cannot have a New Zealander <laughs> not finish last in a swimming event at the Olympics. So on behalf of Australia, I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's funny because Lauren and I went back and forth the next, you know, four years. So um, swimming is kind of fun in that sense because, you know, for the most part, I would say more often than not, she was beating me than me beating her. But that final 50 was something I was kind of famous for. So I, uh, I tended to kind of really make my move and empty my tank coming home and no one was safe in that last 50. <laughs> uh, so many of the, uh, the athletes we have on here uh, will talk about their first Olympics and it, it is typically, you know, you know I, w- I just was happy to be there or whatever. It must have made a difference going into the second games and uh, you mentioned how you, you finished fourth in um, London and I remember coming out of London, it was almost like fourth place. Uh, we've joked about it on the show several times here, I call it the Canadian bronze because, you know, you just get this close uh, and then there was such a huge difference with Rio but when you look at the, the teams, I mean, if I'm not wrong, you were the only one to actually go from London to Rio in that same relay. It was a completely different team surrounding you each time. Was there a bit of experience considering it's only your second Olympics? It's not like, you know, you're this aged athlete who's at the end of her career. Uh, you were like the senior swimmer there. Like what type of experience were you able to, to share with the others that uh, might've helped you guys in Rio? Yeah, so I I was technically an aged athlete that was at the end of my career, but it was uh, it was it was just it was so different. And to see yeah, four years later to be able to say I've been on that relay team in some capacity for the last four years was really special. It, especially knowing that you know I was not a two hundred freestyle. I didn't never consider myself a two hundred freestyle specialist. And at one point, I did have the Canadian record in it. And at one point you know, it was a strength of mine. And, but I always kind of, I worked down to get to the, to the 200 free. And so to be able to kind of keep my name on that spot for, for four years was or five actually, because my first ever national team, I made it in the 200 freestyle. I made a relay position in 2011 to do the world in Shanghai. Um, as a one junior world that same summer in the event. So it gave me a lot of confidence going into the Olympic trials for sure. But also, too, my sister was the Canadian record holder in the two hundred freestyle before, um, you know, I was able to get to that spot. So, you know, it was always kind of an interesting thing because we could overlap in that event, and I learned so much from her. and And to see, you know, her qualify in, in London in in the hundred and and have, you know, our, we could have potentially been on the same relay together, which would have been crazy to to think about, but. I, I definitely saw a lot in those four years of different names coming in, different experiences that we could pull. I mean, I sometimes we had the distance girls that qualified in the two. Sometimes we had the sprinters that come up to the two. So it's fun because who's better on that day and qualifies that spot, like earns their, earns their spot. And so they might not always swim it, but usually we'll at least swim it in the morning, the way that we qualified, and then kind of make fine-tuned details if there's someone else on the team that's more suitable for that relay spot. Um, but yeah, tried to take some experience into my, my journey to get to Rio and Kat Savard on that relay as well was a veteran at the time. She wasn't necessarily in the 200 freestyle, but she had really made some moves in the freestyle. So she was also a name that had been pulled on. And then, I mean, we had Penny and Taylor who were, you know, swimming lights out both, both of them at the games and had already won 
multiple Olympic medals to their to their credit. So, I mean, as much as, you know, we were trying to guide them, I think they were also guiding us. And something that was really refreshing to me was as much pressure as I was putting on myself at the time. I think there was something beautiful about, you know, being naive and, and young and just seeing, you know, I'm going to go out and race like I do every other day. And this is just another event for me. And I'm having fun in the pool and it is fun to be like to win and to be successful and, and to just kind of change that perspective perspective around a little and say let's go out and race let's go out and get this and let's it wasn't about you know we're going and we need this medal here it's just let's go see what we can do um especially for me on that day because I was incredibly ill so I thinking was not in my forte so I was just trying to kind of focus on that positive energy that I could take off the others but we're both always always I think there's it's same with like a teacher in a classroom they're learning from the kids just as much as the kids are learning from them so I think that's the way I, I felt in the Rio games for sure. I love the fact that we were very close to having Canada's version of the Campbell sisters here, Colin with the McLean sisters, you know, <laughs> potentially. Uh, I don't know if you guys would have choked as much as the Campbell sisters, but that's another story for another uh, for, for another episode. We still haven't forgiven them for that, uh, for, for Rio. You, you, you talk about, um, you know, that day from, from being sick not being able to swim the heats, maybe not even thinking, yeah, you're going to even be on that team. But to go from that in the morning to going back to the village that night, having a, an Olympic medal wrapped around your neck. I mean, in terms of days in your life, Brittany, how does that rank in terms of the most bipolar days that probably you've ever lived? Yeah, for sure. I There was a lot of tears for very many different reasons. And I'm not one that like gets emotional, like, I'm not the typical, I, I have a tough race and I'm automatically crying, but it just, it was a lot. And I think it was accumulation of so many feelings because this is all I'd ever wanted. And a couple of days earlier in the 400 freestyle, which was kind of my big race at the time. And I had a realistic shot of making uh, the podium. So I was going in there thinking, you know, this is all or nothing for this medal. And I came fourth or fifth and, it wasn't my best race and I was really disappointed in that and I kind of didn't have answers I I tried to really reset I swam the 200 freestyle I started kind of feeling off but I made the semi which for me was a was a big step for that race and I it wasn't awful but it just wasn't good so my head was just trying to stay afloat uh with through like slight disappointments nothing major but I just wasn't really happy so far knowing I was capable of more than what I was racing to and then it was more just, you know, it started with a bit of a tickle in my throat and my body was fatigued. And then the morning I woke up for, for this race, it all kind of started crashing. Uh, so I went up to the, the doctor and yeah, you, that one was just so much back and forth because at that point, could I have been racing that morning? I didn't know yet. Um, we decided as a team to take me off, but then I thought, okay, does that mean I'm not going to get a chance tonight either? And uh, at the time I was still a Canadian record holder in that event. So I was, arguably the, the the kind of backbone to this relay, although obviously Penny would completely destroy that, Taylor completely destroyed that. Um, and so it was at the time though, something that like, I think the coaches relied on a little bit of experience with a little bit of this new fresh energy. And they, they saw, luckily saw something in me that they wanted to keep on that team and had faith that I would pull it off in the moment. And uh, I did, luckily it wasn't, necessarily the fastest I've ever been but it was up there like it was competitive and it was exactly what we needed out of those four laps and I said I've trained way too hard 
you know, for years to be able to give up on four laps. And, uh, I was a girl that, you know, my, my main event in college was 66 laps. So I was just telling myself, you know, this, you can, you can swim for two minutes. You can, you can get this done. And all the times where I was trained when I wasn't feeling a hundred percent, all those days where you're, you know, waking up at four forty-seven in the morning and all those things started flooding back to me. And my, why was just so strong and why I was doing all of this, why I cared so much about doing all of it. And yeah, to go to bed that night with a, with a medal on my neck. And I remember holding it just in awe. Um, I did struggle a little bit after though, and that's a whole other can of worms, but, um, you know, with my, I, I'm always a huge advocate for mental health, but I think like there's that, there's that initial exhilaration and excitement. And then the crash after of like, this doesn't feel like I thought it would, or like you think your whole life, your identity is going to be changed when you achieve this dream and it's not necessarily the case. So I think a lot of those, I mean, the emotions are just nuts. And then the next day I had to get up and race my longest race, but I had given anything I had left in me in this four laps to swim for this medal. And the next morning I just, I mean, I was shaking on the blocks. I hadn't been, I hadn't been able to eat much. I hadn't been able to properly hydrate. I didn't sleep at all. Um, I couldn't swallow. I couldn't breathe. It was, it was a mess. So, you know, to go out on that note is a little difficult because that was my last race that I ever swam. Um, but to, to say that day was probably, you know, one of the biggest emotional roller coasters in my life would be putting it lightly. You know, earlier you sort of mentioned about how in Australia there's just the, that household name recognition for the swimmers. And uh, I mean, it's probably not a hundred percent there yet here. I mean, certainly you could ask anybody in Canada, you know, who Penny Alexiak is, they're going to say yes. Maybe they'll say yes to Kylie Mass. Uh, but coming out of Rio, just partly the pride that Canada had for just the team as a whole. Uh, and even as you were mentioning, uh, you know, how Emily Overholt swam the, you know, the, the trials or whatever for the first uh, few heats after that event ended, it's not like she was even treated differently. Like all the interviews that came up, it was like, oh yeah, you know, she's part of this team. And I think more than anything, uh, we sort of came out of Canada, Canada came out of Rio where the swim team as a whole was sort of looked at as the star, you know, you certainly had Penny Alexiak, but you had just the team as a whole. Did you guys have uh, any um, perception, I guess, at the time of how Canada was viewing this and what a big deal it was of everything that was just being shattered in the pool and, and how Canada viewed the swim team as a whole as like our Olympic stars in Rio? Yeah, it was fun because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like people search for tangible uh, things to credit. And so a medal is always, you know, the tally at the games and then something people are talking about. And so I always said, I did a lot of public speaking after the, the Rio games and, you know, having my medal there for people to touch, to hold, to, to sense gave, it's not that I as a swimmer or experience had any more value, but for someone to light up when they held that medal, that just like exhilarated everything that I'd ever been saying. And so I do think that part was just, it was, I don't know if we necessarily knew it in the moment. I definitely started realizing it afterwards and thinking, wow, we're coming home with, you know, 13 or 12 or 13 of us are coming home as Olympic medalists. And on top of that, um, what I really loved the most, and I know you mentioned your question was more leaning toward Canadians, but one thing that really stuck out to me was what the international, like the other countries were noticing Canada on the pool deck. And that was one of the first times that I think people were like, whoa, the Canadians are doing really well here. And um, like I had gone to, to school in the U.S. I knew a lot of the Americans and there was all the, the 
American coaches were standing there being like, damn, this game has been something special for Canada. And so to have that kind of like your peers recognize you is almost more rewarding than the, the general public recognize you. Um, and then being able to come home and like sharing our message. And, and I guess like the big cherry on top was having Penny carry the, the flag at the closing ceremonies because, you know, and, and, even in turn, Orly Rivard did it for the Paralympics. So we had two swimmers carry the closing ceremony flag in the Rio games uh, for both the Olympics and Paralympics. So, you know, that was definitely like, a, well, swimming is a big deal right now. And to be acknowledged across all sports across Canada and knowing, you know, the, the amount of successful athletes that came from so many different sports, that was really special and something that I think they're continuing to build into Tokyo. Um, you know, it was kind of like this big excitement. And then now obviously, it's, it's causing a little bit of a lull to have to, to wait their turn. Um, but I hope that people are going to get just as excited because Tokyo is going to be even better. You mentioned about sort of taking Canada a bit more seriously, some of the other, other nations. I, I worked at the Commonwealth Games in 2018, and I for one know that a lot of people were talking up you guys in the uh, Commonwealth Games that year, of course. So it kind of it took a, a different level whereas i think australia we're a little bit arrogant when it comes to the commonwealth games in general and particularly in the swimming we're like ah, fuck, no one's going to touch us in this you know no america's here you know south africa well south africa's there but some of these other countries that usually are challenging us out there but i know for for once they were they were definitely looking at canada what what did you do with the medal i always like to find this out Brittany. what people what olympians do with their medals is this something that you carry around with you just in case you want a free big mac or something or is it on display or like what do you do with the medal um it is currently uh in its box in my room right now um the rio specifically like every year they i know they do like cool things that you either like get with the metal or the case that the metal's in but they're all like hand carved wooden boxes they're really cool um so it's all automatically like a, a beautiful piece to have um for a while i i would have loved to put it on display mostly because we call it our shrine, but my dad is a big, big sports fan, and he's very, very proud of both his daughters. So our basement is a is a sport. Uh, it's everywhere. It's uh, posters, trophies, especially when I went to to Georgia because you get a trophy for every top eight finish. So they're just they're everywhere, um, and so he loves to decorate it. And he's made some really cool um, cases and, and different things, but. With this one, I'm very passionate about sharing it, and I because I didn't have that moment necessarily of elation when I won it. Um, I like to continue to see it through other people's eyes and to share it with young swimmers, to share it with anyone really. And and at that moment is important, just as important for me as it is for them. So I love it to be accessible because I I do use it. I mean, not as much anymore as I did probably the year after the games, but. I do bring it places if needed for mostly talking purposes. I'm not bringing it to the, the bar or the restaurant. Right oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for an Olympia. We say this all the time. Like, you know, surely you can just walk into like McDonald's with a medal, right? And be like, Hey, no, you think, but not quite. I would, if I was at one of those stores, I would give you free shit. Like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> you put an Olympic medal you around so your much. neck. You're getting free stuff. Actually, I don't know about all athletes, but a lot of athletes, like swimmers specifically, like they'll get their medal and the minute they're off the podium, they take it off. Like it's this big, 
Like you've earned it, but you don't like wear it. I don't know. It's bizarre. Well, Ma- well Michael it's Phelps, right? Like Michael Phelps gets one or two. He's another he's one for the drawer. Pre- pretty sure Michael Phelps probably gets sick of him after a while, right? <laughs> another I'm one. I'm sure Ryan Lochte is polishing it and styling it by the time. <laughs> Ryan Lochte doesn't know what it is. He's looking at going, dude, what the hell is going on with this thing? <laughs> Uh, you did mention earlier, you know, you you had your last race. You know, Rio was your last games. Uh, you know, a lot of athletes will go on and on and on. Uh, if you don't mind talking about it, you know, what sort of led to your decision to step away and to retire from swimming? Yeah, a lot. I always say that it's just a, a perfect balance of a lot of things. Um, one of them was definitely just like looking towards the future in, in swimming and what I wanted to achieve out of my life and. I had finished university, which was the the, the kind of four year window. And uh, so knowing that, you know, I didn't have a team to train for anymore. And like that part of my chapter had kind of closed at a good point. And so um, swimming is kind of in four year blocks. So looking at what I wanted to achieve in the next four years, um, it just wasn't realistic for me to keep going. I had a ton of injuries. Um, I tore my labor on my shoulder. I had a tear in the opposite hamstring. I'd had two concussions. I had the tendonitis in the other shoulder. I, I was, yeah, my body at 22 was falling apart and I kind of had these waves of success in swimming. I'd have one year incredibly injured and then the next year I'd kind of come and, and perform when it mattered. But I, that, that pattern was both exhausting physically and mentally and really took a toll on, on me, I think, uh, on the kind of mental health side of things. And then I started really thinking about you know, what I wanted out of life and I was finishing this degree so I could start kind of with my peers in, in the real world, so we say, and or I could wait, you know, four or five years and feel like I was behind and not really know anything yet. And swimming and not to say other sports aren't the same, but it was definitely something you had to devote like all or nothing into. And I knew if I couldn't put my all into it, it wasn't it wasn't something that I should be doing. And to be honest, it wasn't an option to do professional. Like, okay, you could swim professional, but I I couldn't even make enough to live off of, let let alone make a living. So there was just no monetary uh, opportunities at that point that were feasible for me to be able to keep going too long. Now there's a lot of growth. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, success in Rio, success moving forward in the sport. Uh, The times have changed too, but at the time there was, you know, other than maybe a couple hundred dollars prize money every once in a while, I I wasn't going to be able to profit off of it. Um, and then lastly, yeah, the, the big piece was my mental health, like knowing that I wanted to leave the sport at a point that was healthy and on my terms. And I didn't want to always resent it. I didn't want to get to the point where I absolutely hated what I was doing. And I started seeing myself down that path and it wasn't healthy for me anymore. So now I can give back, I can commentate, I can analyze, I can lead clinics, I can show up to the pool. I can have fun with the young kids because it's something that I love and I'll continue to love, but on the terms that make sense for me. You've used uh, a lot of that experience too uh, in your career endeavors now, uh, you know, talking about some of the things you've been doing, but I believe uh, you sort of did sports management, worked with the Blue Jays, and, and now you're, of course, with the Canadian Olympic Committee. How, how is that, I guess, going from competing at that level to using that experience to, say, a professional side like the Blue Jays or now with the Olympic Committee? I mean, that must sort of be a great benefit for you to having that background to now work with athletes who are experiencing what you've obviously gone through. Absolutely. And every athlete's story is different. And so it's it's fun to, like, I'm constantly getting to meet new athletes and hear what their experience has been or get to know them better or 
um, kind of learn about what their dreams and aspirations are. But there's just something to be, we're in such a unique little community. And that is like having the ability to call ourselves Olympians and have the experience in representing our country. And there's so much common ground to be had. And that's something that I love about my job now is, you know, we're so there's, there's a massively hardworking group at the Canadian Olympic Committee that really, really cares about the success of sport moving forward, whether that's at a very amateur level all the way up to high performance. But the fun part is that, you know, we're kind of this internal eyes and ears and we have about 10 Olympians on staff and it's really because it, all of us have such different stories. And so that's not like, you know, the Olympians all have this uh, this opinion on the way things go. It's just like there's there's almost like a safe place that, if athletes have uh, are, are curious about what's going on or programs that we're able to execute or um, questions about how they can improve in their public speaking or where they can get fine opportunities. And, you know, I don't always have the answers for them, but what I can do is point them in the right direction. And that's something that's really rewarding in the job that I do. And having the, the people, the engagement with others is really, really, really rewarding and just getting to know stories and sharing stories and um hearing experiences of athletes but it's 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 massive in terms of I always say get get kids in sport as much as you can but things like time management teamwork resiliency like you can't learn that from reading a book like it is so experiential and having to have had to adapt to a 5 a.m practice from 12 years old like you can't really can't really tell like a, a teenager you know how to to get through that and so it was just so many takeaway skills that, you know, you write them in your resume and, you, you know, you think you have them and whatever, but to be able to put them to action every single day, whether that's, you know, in a meeting with 10 people or a meeting with one person or launching a project or trying to get to deadlines and all of that, I think back to my swimming days and, you know, how I had a quick 45-minute window to eat lunch, nap, and recover again before the next practice. Like, it was just you have to learn how to do it. And so having that background backbone um, for me is, is something I take to my day to day forever. I, I hope for forever. Before we get to our final, my name is questions. Uh, you mentioned you're doing commentary now as well. Uh, and on CBC, is that right? And like I did just currently doing the ISL stuff. So we're covering uh, Saturdays and Sundays for November until the semifinals and finals are over. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it. I, I, I do watch you know, swimming whenever it comes up, but uh, I've got a four-year-old and I've got twins that are a year old. So you may have even heard during this episode, uh, I don't hear any commentary typically. So I'll have to <laughs> go out of my way to record it and watch it when they're in bed from now on. But uh, there you know, you go. That's awesome. Yeah. For this one, um, yeah, it's on the Road to Olympic Games. So it's with uh, Andy Petrello and, and Scott Russell. And so we're doing... Um, we're not doing the commentary, we're doing the analyze. So we're the ones in studio kind of like previewing or, or post gaming the races for you. So it's been really fun. And that, that's been the one positive with CBC, uh, with the cancellation or postponement of Tokyo is this every single week. I'm like, Oh, this is on a, a, a tell Ben, you know, they've got this, Oh, here's another idea for person we could have on the show. Like the coverage that they've had of past Olympics and then even just being able to see more, of uh, like amateur sports that are going on right now is just fantastic. You know, if, if they delay Tokyo next year, I'm sure they're still going to have lots of coverage. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Like I watched through these, they, they kind of highlighted different events in sport on Saturdays. And I watched my race in Rio for the first time through that a couple months ago because I hadn't even seen it. So it was cool to re relive it all. 
so we don't know whether you're going to be reliving this questionnaire or not, but uh, uh, we've mentioned to you off air, we do this uh, My Name Is segment, which is fun when we get the Canadian athletes on, because uh, I think we've only ever had one who filled it out prior and uh, their answers did change a little bit. Uh, but uh, this is something that they released on the, the Olympic.ca website, which will show like in the handwriting where everybody answers. Now I'm going to be using Emily Overholtz for your questions here uh, because it's, it's hands down my favorite one that anybody's ever filled, filled out. Plus I'm a huge Emily Overholtz fan, but uh, uh, you've got, uh, you've got some competition here cause she has some pretty epic answers, but uh, uh, we'll go with yours here. So start no off. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, greatest Olympian of all time is. <laughs> That's so tough. You don't start you answer with a question like that. Feel free to answer yourself too. Honestly, uh, my standout. Okay, this isn't all time because I, I I have way too many ad lists for all time. Like I'm a huge hockey girl. I would talk about like the Cosby Golden Goal. I would talk about Wickenheiser. I would talk about you know. There's too many. Um, but I will say I'm gonna stay with swimming here. Um, Ryan Cochran. Huge, huge Cochrane fan is the person he is, but also like what he did for Canadian swimming to me is massive. So the consistent people don't realize like it's one thing. So these are probably supposed to be rapid fire, but it's one thing to be successful once, but to do it continuously. And he was constantly on the podium every single year for every single. It's just it's absurd. But great person, great athlete. I'm Victoria, Victoria guy too, as I've discovered since yeah. since moving here. So yeah. Um, hey, maybe we're going to have another Ryan Cockrell here. Uh, first Olympics that you remember watching was? Oof. Um, probably Sydney 2000. Like, remember watching? I was six. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember <laughs> watching. Wow. That doesn't but make I us feel old at all. <laughs> ben was almost there. I, I mean. was 13, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, I meant you were almost there as in you were in Australia at the time. But oh, yes. I thought you meant like I was there in the age. I, I was listening. Yeah. No, I, I was I was up the road a bit. I was on an island below an island, not quite there, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a draw picture of yourself here, which we'll have to skip because uh, unless you have a pen and paper and want to do that, but um, let's move <laughs> on to... Draw a picture of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Em- yeah Emily Overholt. Emily Overholtz is her in the swimming cap, the goggles with two piece signs. I like the picture. It's very, you know. I feel like that, like Marcus Thorma drew that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm like almost convinced. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Um, I'm going to be super specific here, but Cold Stone cake batter. Yum. Ooh. That sounds amazing. Frozen cake batter alone or cookie dough or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be and ice cream is my ultimate favorite treat. Like I, yeah, anything, ice cream makes everything better. Oh, that's exactly what my kids are probably yelling about right now. Uh, uh, if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? You kind of, I mean, you don't, you don't get to pick your own music, but you get the big entrances now at the Olympics. I, I honestly have no, just anything with like a beat, I'm a big, like, now I love country music, but when I was growing up, I didn't love it. I'm also, like, super patriotic, so part of me would just want, like, O Canada blaring through the, the surround sound. I don't know. Something with a beat or something that was, like, I could sing along to. I actually think that would be a kind of a really cool like trolling platform for the singer, uh, the swimmers, right? So like you, you want to hear that anthem at the end when you win your gold, but like <laughs> screw with people's heads. Like I'm so good, I'm going to play this now because you're going to be hearing this again in like three minutes. <laughs> You'll hear it later. That's the 
it would be. That would take a lot of nerve, but yeah. that, it's not the same in baseball. I wouldn't be able to be that cocky in swimming, but in baseball, it would be like, uh, you're all from other countries, but I've gone on Canadian pride, and <laughs> go, go Jays, go. <laughs> Here's a good one. In a movie about my life, I would be played by. A movie about your oh. life, not mine. Gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Probably my sister would nail it really well, so I'll say my sister. <laughs> but if we're talking about celebs, like I don't even know. I yeah, everyone's way too good of an actress to for me to kind of put their name to my. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Heather McLean. Good answer. She would uh, nail. It. She would nail an impression of Brittany. Emily Overholt picked Mindy Kaling to play her. So, I mean, Mindy could do all roles. She could be, she could be I mean, she's way funnier than I could ever take on, so I don't think I'm worthy of that, but Emily's really nailing this. I've got to talk to her about it. I have a feeling it was a Marcus and Emily team effort here, but... <laughs> uh, we're going to have to skip draw a picture of a Canadian animal, but I'm sure you could uh, email us your picture later. Okay, uh, I'll draw it later. Your guilty pleasure snack is? Animal crackers, always. Ooh, nice. Animal crackers are Teddy Grahams. I put them in like the same family, but it's not even guilty pleasure. It's not like they're the worst for you. Obviously they're not great, but I'm obsessed with Teddy Grahams and animal crackers. Or like if we're going really sweet, like dessert, dessert, I would say chocolate covered almonds. I can eat them by like the bag if needed. Um, I'm getting hungry. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> uh, your favorite song lyric is, feel free to use from your walk-up music. If you can't I just, yeah, I'm the worst with music, guys. Like, I, I appreciate music, but I'm the worst, like, with my own opinion. Like, I, I'm, I'm very influenced by my surroundings. So whoever I'm with, if they're into that, I listen. But, uh, yeah, nothing comes to mind in terms of song lyric that I would jive with but anything like super inspirational i'm like a sucker for even if it's super cheesy i'm in i feel powerful uh what's the most recent tv show you binge watched Oof! what did i just recently finish probably um i just watched the bachelor last night big fan but mm, <laughs> probably not binge but that's if we're talking about shitty reality tv that's my answer um but i finished the last one i finished was emily in paris it's a netflix show it was just one season but i lived in montreal for a year so i really related to the whole not French. being able to speak to my peers yeah <laughs> so um, it was fun you actually have me second guessing Emily Overholt now because I'm almost noticing the handwriting changing, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, this next one is a really fun question. My biggest fear in life is. Why is this a really fun question? I just love, I love Emily's answer. It's I'm laughing Emily's at Emily's answer. answer. <laughs> yeah. Waking up with a spider on her face, apparently. <laughs> Honestly, one of them would be, and you think this is weird from a summer, but one of them would be drowning. Like, I always say that as much as I was like comfortable in the water, there's this huge fear that that's like the way I, that feeling of like being out of breath because it's so familiar to us. Like I just, I really don't like it. I feel, I feel like it's one of those things. Like I know like a, a rock and roller will say like, oh, you know, the best way to go out is dying on stage. Like I feel it's the opposite for a swimmer, particularly if you're afraid of drowning, oh, yeah. like going out in the Olympic no. final, that's how I died. No, no. <laughs> I mean, we feel like we're dying on the last 25, but um, yeah, drowning is a big fear of mine. I'm not, yeah, no. 
this is technically the last question here. I can't, I cannot live without. My family. I'm really big sap, but I would say my family. That works. Emily, I mean, who else would play in the movie? What's an Emily right there? Napping. She can't live without napping. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now her biggest fear, her, her biggest fear is spiders crawling on her face, and her biggest or thing she can't live without is napping. I would be more afraid of the spiders crawling on your face. Don't don't go to sleep in Australia, Emily. That's just that's, <laughs> won't like that. That that happens often. So yeah. Emily yeah. definitely would help with this survey. I'm just not Adam. If you're ever listening, I'm not throwing you under the bus, but I know this is a another. <laughs> well, I mean, her picture of uh, the the coolest Olympic medal is a pizza <laughs> with a ribbon around it. <laughs> with pizza, love, 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 love. I can also imagine when we fill these out, it's either like right after you qualified, and we're all in these like two day like media days where you're just like heavy information you're all exhausted because you just made the team or qualified and and it's been like a seven day competition and and so by the end of it you're just delirious and we're all kind of just getting having fun and getting to know one another so i i just picture the moment that she did this and i know it wasn't a solo effort well i'm telling you now because because you work now for the olympic committee you might be in control of this for the tokyo one so you could like come up with some fun questions like you could take this and go well hey let's improve oh, on that like we could give you suggestions. your favorite olympic podcast yes is- exactly that there you go i want that as a question that's great that's a that's a real like digital lens 2020 question what's yeah. your what's your favorite go-to pod what's your favorite like yeah it's a good one who is your favorite Australian oh. podcast host living in Canada? That is another question. Is your favorite living uh, in Winnipeg? You know? Diff competition. Yeah. I'll, do what I, I'll see what I can do there. Okay. Uh, it's been great having you on, Brittany. Uh, and uh, obviously we can continue to follow you on CBC. Uh, any Anything else you want to give a shout out for right now? Anything you want to plug? Uh, endorsement deals? Anything like that? <laughs> no, not at all. Like I said, swimming was not something I made a living off of. Um, <laughs> no, just, uh, yeah, I am uh, just working away. Um, very passionate about, you know, I guess the passion behind the work you do. So uh, finding something that, that really excites me and I get to do what I love every day. So that's been really nice surrounding myself with a great community. Um, but I know just, I guess the only thing would be continue to support the athletes. It's been a tough year for all, uh, including athletes around the world. And so, you know, they're out there training their best kind of trying to adapt to pretty much everything that's thrown their way. And I think we're going to see some really exciting things in the coming year and it's going to take a lot of adversity to get there. So um yeah just a big go canada uh big kind of ode to the athletes and uh yeah if you want to watch any swimming it's in saturdays in november and there's probably going to replay a lot throughout um the next couple months so hopefully you get to see it but there's a new toronto team which was really fun to cover a lot of canadians and yeah that's pretty much it Go Leafs right, go, yeah. right? No, that, are they the go Leafs? Leafs? No. <laughs> the Leafs go? Yeah. I can't, I can't think you have a Leaf in the water, right? Like that doesn't doesn't work. So yeah. No, not quite. But I'm yeah. a Toronto girl, so we all say go Leafs go anyway. Right? Oh, I'm outnumbered. Yes, even Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> on that note, Brittany, thank you very much for joining us on Off the Podium. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. <laughs>